Awesome. Just want to honor uh, Miss Jamison. Is that correct? This is uh, Janelle's mom, guys. She's in the house today. And uh, you and your husband have been pastoring how many years? 20 years. That is insane. We just honor you guys so much and so, so honored to have you guys here. Uh, man, I want to I jump into, uh, into really quick. I want to try to breeze this as quick as I can. And when I was sitting there, I remember this uh, sermon that I, uh, I heard about Francis Chan. You guys ever heard of Francis Chan? How many of you have never heard of Francis Chan? You are missing out. Um, Francis is an, is, is an amazing man. He actually came over our house once for some tea. Uh, it was at our, at our kitchen table. And I remember having this thought like, oh, my God, Francis is here. I better watch what I say. <laughs> um, and uh, there was a story that I remember uh, hearing about him where he went to a church to preach. And I think for about the first five to ten minutes, all he said repeatedly was too big, too small. No, it was, it was Francis, too. Too big, too small. Too big, too small. Too big, too small. You know, yesterday I went to church um, at houses, and it was incredible. And as I was sitting there, you know, our, our pastor is preaching, and this phrase popped out to me, and it's that location don't mean transformation. And you understand that at all already? Or? Location don't mean transformation. Attending is different than surrendering. Can I repeat that? Remember, for some of you lie, you can, you can give an amen here and there, okay? Attending is different than surrendering. Location is different than transformation. Information is different than revelation. This is why you can have someone that goes to church their entire life and they're not a Christian. This is why you can get people that come weak after week after week because location doesn't change you we honor the fact that you go to the location right because you have it's how many of you have more of a chance of getting your car fixed if you go to the auto shop than if you just never go to the auto shop right but there's no point in taking your car to the auto shop and you leave it in the parking lot and you never give it to the mechanic right it's okay i like that you can keep going do me a favor just this morning just because i like I'm a real observant guy. If you're taking notes, that's amazing. I promise you, if you just like, whoever's, if someone's texting you, they will not die in the next 30 minutes if you don't text them back. I know you, I know we think they will. Like we think their lives are going to fold up and they're just going to run themselves into a train. They're not. Like, can you just like the next, third, like imagine we're sitting at a table. Imagine we're in a living room conversation, right? How many ever know when someone's, how many ever know like when you're talking to someone and you know they're not listening? They're like, uh-huh. And you memorize the keyboard, right? You don't even need to look. You got the swipe now. Just crazy, Caleb, crazy. Just because we attend church doesn't guarantee growth. How many know that that's true in high school? Just because you attend high school don't mean you get smarter. Can I get an amen from somebody on that? <clears throat> Attending doesn't equal surrendering. Check this out. To attend and not bend will only result in deception and perception that you're growing, but you're really not. What makes a believer, right, check this out. What makes, what makes a believer these days? What's the DNA? Like the biblical DNA of a believer? Because I feel like we've lowered this standard as a believer in America to just attending something. We have someone in the back. Her name is Anu. She's from India. And... In her country, they are, now make, they are now removing Christians. They are removing Muslims to make that entire region area Hindu. What does that do to a believer? It, it, like, like Todd White always says, when you're squeezed, what's really inside of you, 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 listen to this, when you're squeezed, what's really in you comes out. Right? You ever been squeezed by pressure or by people, and all of a sudden you burst out? What's in you will come out. You squeeze an orange, orange juice comes out. You squeeze an apple, apple juice comes out. You squeeze a believer, the fruits of the Spirit is what should come out of us. When you're in a nation like this where there's persecution, you don't have a faith that's convenient. You have a faith that's dangerous. You have a faith where I remember she was sharing the other day. I was at a house where she was at, and uh, I was speaking a little bit to some people there. And she was sharing how when she, you know, when she started getting into ministry is when the death, the death threat started coming. How I many you know most of you probably haven't gotten death threats? You've just gotten unlikes, you know, like it's a really big difference. 
what is the biblical like DNA and formula of a believer? Here are the basic principles of the kingdom that, to be honest with you, they're not exciting anymore these days, but they, they're going to be at the end of today. Like we have to get excited for something beyond a once a year conference. We have to get excited even when there's not a guest speaker. We have to get excited when the band doesn't play the song you wanted them to play. Or the lyrics are misspelled. Can I get an amen? You got to get excited about, I love a Francis, when he came to our house at one time and he was having tea, you know, he's like, he's like, you know, I just, uh, you know, I, I, he does it, right? And he, he's at our table and I'm like, oh my God, he's doing the, you know, at our table, like, he's like, I, I, when's the last time thousands of people gathered just to read the book of Mark? And there wasn't a big speaker and you didn't have a big name and it didn't cost millions of dollars. Not that any of that's bad. I mean, because we do, we do conferences. It's one voice. We got one coming up in June. Sign up, okay? But what I want to say is like, when's the last time we've gotten excited about prayer? When's the last time we got excited about prayer? If your neighbor's sleeping, wake them up. I'm, I'm, I'm in that mood today. I'm not taking anything today. Like you didn't, you didn't, you didn't come all the way out. Yeah, it's a Monday morning. It's inconvenient already. Okay. Just might as well stay awake. When's a lot, like, come, like prayer. Can I be honest? Prayer is not the most exciting thing because biblically speaking, prayer really works when it's done in secret. And we are a culture and a generation that likes to do everything public. Even the testimonies, you feed a homeless man. Hey, fed a homeless man today. So, you know, so y'all know, hit them DM, you know, hit the DMs if you want to come. Like, I'm like, Jesus is like, there's your reward. I mean, you just lost. Like, prayer. What about fasting? And I'm not even speaking like as one that like enjoys fasting at all. I'm terrible at it. But when's the last time we're like, we're going to fast? Yeah, right? What about reading your Bible? You know that 90% of the issues you go through or the questions you go through as a believer would simply be solved if you would just crack, take the book out of your kitchen table that's leveling out your table, wipe the dust off and open it. It's so, you know what's crazy is I've been, I've been a Christian for going on 13 years and like 13 years ago, I, I mean, I read my Bible. So when my pastor would bring me correction, I was able to reference it. What I find today is when I, when we bring correction to people, it's difficult for them to reference because they don't know where to reference. And so when you take the correction as just my words and not God's words, it, it doesn't hold weight. But when you understand that, man, actually the Bible says that like discipline, to, to discipline and instruction is actually means I'm a legitimate child of God. For him to ignore me means I'm not legitimate. Like, I welcome that. When's the last time this word seeking was exciting? I'm going to go seek God. You know, God doesn't hide from you. He hides for you. I'm a dad, and there's sometimes I come and I'm ever least. Rawr, right? And she like, ah, she freaks out. I'm not hiding, right? And now I have a dog and I do it to the dog. Like, I'm not, I'm not hiding from my daughter, like waiting till she starts bawling her eyes out and, and struggling with abandonment spirit now. Like I, I literally, I hide for her because I want to be found. I want to be sought and I want to be found. What about obeying? We are not excited about obeying in today's culture. We are not. We have a, guys, you know that YouTube is incredible, but it has destroyed our ability to obey. Because we think, what can you teach me that YouTube can't? You know what YouTube doesn't have? 20 years of pastoring. What can this woman teach this room more than a YouTube video? 20 years of ups and downs. It's reality. You know that like 50 years ago when you had a flat tire, you couldn't jump on YouTube to see how to fix it. You actually had to stop somewhere, talk to somebody. That's crazy, right? Talk to them. My God. Ask them for, you know, like 20 to 4 GPSs, you actually had to stop for directions. There was more human interaction years ago, which is, just want to kind of give you perspective as to why maybe some of the struggles you're having with human interaction and even the Bible and community, it's because of the generation and culture we're in. We're all guilty of it. How many of you like, no, like I always think about like, what did they do in airports like 30 years ago when everyone wasn't on their phone? Come on, we're, we're all guilty. I do it too. Swipe, 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 right? You zoned out me the newspaper, but eventually you ran out of stuff to read. 
doesn't keep feeding you more. What about believing? What about believing? I feel like the Christianity in our culture today, it's almost like we have, we've developed Christian atheism. Christian atheism. Where, that Christian atheism is where you continually attend, but there's no belief. It's not real. It's not authentic. And then all of a sudden you fall, you fall away from God and you're mad at God. Oh, like God, I feel like the Lord wants to make some of these things straight this morning. In the Bible, can I just go over In the Bible, men and women believed God, obeyed God, risked for God, prayed without ceasing, repented for their nation, casted out demons, healed the sick, rebuked the devil, raised the dead, embraced persecution, stood when everyone else chose to stand down, they led people to freedom, they died to self, they pick up their cross, they followed Jesus, and they honored authority. There's a million other things we could read. Today's believers question God, obey their feelings, risk for themselves, pray only when in crisis, don't take responsibility for the sins of them or their nation, they comfort demons and strongholds, they counsel the sick, not heal them, they ignore the devil as if he's going to go away, they join the dead, they don't raise them, they don't embrace persecution, they're offended by it. They cower down to culture. They lead people to their opinions and not the Bible. Help me really. Well, I'm just, I just feel like. Anyways. They don't die to self. They try to be the best version of themselves. It's anti-scripture. We have a culture that doesn't die to themselves. They try to become the best version of themselves. That's humanism. Don't mix that in with Christianity. They're different. That's humanism. Do not confuse. You have to start understanding. There's, 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 like This is what's creeping in the church. And what's scary is it kind of sounds very similar. God just wants the best you. No, God wants a dead me. Because he can trust a dead man. Because a dead man don't get offended. Next time you're at an open casket funeral, go yell at the guy in the casket and see what he says. You're ugly. I mean, if he wakes up, you, <laughs> dang, you really offended him. We have a culture today that, that doesn't lay down their life and pick up their cross. They pick up their life and they lay down their cross. We have a generation that doesn't follow just the word. They follow preachers. And we have a generation that honors who they think is worthy of their honor. Instead of realizing... That's not how it works. Biblical honors, you don't honor people you think is worthy of it. You know, I had a mentor once, and he, this guy was amazing. He mentored me, and I love this guy because he was the most realest dude I've ever had in my life. He smacked, he smacked me once with the Bible. Like, I was saying something. I used, to be, I used to say the dumbest thing. You think you say dumb things? When I got saved, I would say dumb things. And I would, he would always, like, correct me, and I'd be like, what about you? Like I, and one day he just went, <laughs> with a Bible. And I was like, you can't hit me. So you ain't my dad? He goes, I'm going to be your dad to hit you. <laughs> Nowadays, be like, oh, I'm calling the police. Like, oh, police brutality, right? Like, it's a different generation. I could have took a smack down back then. I'm not saying we're going to smack people. What I am saying is like, there was, a, there was, there was just a, I respected him. And he would always tell me this. He would say, don't trust me, Brian. Trust God in me. If it's hard for you to honor people, honor God in them. Honor God in them. We have called the formula of these men in the Bible and these women in the Bible that, of what they use to see God move, we've called it old school. I'm not calling it old school no more. There's nothing old school about the blood of Jesus. There's nothing old school about pleading the blood of Jesus. There's not. There's nothing old school about fasting. Can I tell you, can I tell you something? Like I've realized that I went through a season where I thought maybe I need, and I'm just going to kind of contradict myself because how I'm dressed today, but I went through a season where I thought maybe I need the coolest outfits to be a passionate preacher because that's L.A. culture. So I bought the clothes. Didn't make me any more passionate. Made me more broke. <laughs> maybe I got to do this, and maybe I got to do this, and I just feel like the Lord's saying, why don't you just return to what was you think is old? 
I love what my pastor says. He says he doesn't read any marriage books that are beyond a certain year, that are written after a certain year. He's like, I, want to re- I don't want to read any of these newbies. I want to read the people back in the day that have been married for 60 years. I want to read those people. Because those people have actually proven themselves. You know, actually, even at my age of 29 years old, I am still proving my faith. I have many decades to go. Many decades. Which is why you cannot solely depend just upon my words to sustain you. You have to get into your Bibles. And guess what? The formula doesn't change. There are some things the Bible says only comes through prayer and There are certain kingdom principles that will always produce growth and change. There is a reason why your heart is not only the battleground mentioned in the Bible, but God also mentions your mind. And I really feel like we are losing so many battles because we've forgotten what the scripture says. We're trying to make sense in the natural what is spiritual. And I feel like this is another thing that's really lacking from our Christian culture, the spirituality of God. Do you realize that the Bible says God created both the world visible and invisible? Read it. That would mean that the invisible world is just as real as what you see. So you see addiction, there's a spirit behind that. Whether you want to believe it or embrace it or not. You're battling fear. You're battling these things in your mind. Do you think like... the? Uh, Can we be honest? There is a war for your soul. And the greatest prize that Satan could win is an eternal life in hell with him. Because hell is filled with people who had good intentions. Hell is filled. I know we don't talk about hell much anymore these days either. It is a real place. You have to read the scriptures. It is not a place designed for you in any capacity. Well, if God was so loving and merciful, then why would this? My desire as my children's father is that they would never land up in jail, ever. But the choices of their life could land them in a place that I didn't necessarily create for them. How much more are souls? Listen, the Lord wins battles here. But what I feel like he wants to start winning with you is the wars that are here. I don't doubt your sincerity for God. People in this room that you've been battling and you've been, I don't doubt your sincerity in any capacity. I don't doubt you love God. I don't doubt, here's, I don't doubt God loves you. I don't doubt that in any capacity, nor do I doubt your pursuit of God. But you have to understand, battles are won here and wars are won here. This is where most people fall away from the Lord. They don't connect these two. The war to live like Jesus in a logical world. The war to trust God when you get a bad report from your doctor. The war to trust Jesus when things don't look good. The war to allow scripture to lead us. Bible says in Romans 12 too, it says this, do not be conformed. You know what conform means? It means to comply, abide, or to fit in. I have, in my 10 years of preaching, I would be lying to you if I was to say there's not been moments I wanted to fit in. Even in my Christian circles. And you know what? The fear of a godly man is still fear of man. It is. Just because he's a godly man or a godly woman doesn't mean you're not fear of man. And fear of man doesn't mean you just blatantly disrespect and dishonor. But it's where you're not, you're not, you're at a point where I don't want to comply with what's against the word of God. I don't want to conform to all this stuff that's going on and what they say as a believer. The Bible says, but be transformed. If you don't know what that word means, I'm not going to be able to say this properly. Maybe John can say this. Metamorph. Maybe someone know how to say this word. It's in the Greek. Where's John Alexiatis? Can you get over here real quick? I hope this is Greek. If it's not, it's going to be awkward. Come here. He actually speaks Greek. He's like, no, I don't. <laughs> how do you say that? Can you say that? Metamorphomia. Metamorphomia. There you go. Give it up for John, guys. He's waited all his life for that. He made it on the podcast. He wants his royalties, his revenue. Come on. It says this. It says this, right? In the Greek, this word transform means changing one's outer form. Check this out. From what that which they had to another outer form, which is a result of interchange. So transformation You can't tell someone you've been transformed, but you look the same. 
That's contradicting. You can't say, I know God's transformed me, but I'm still smoking. Like, no, but, he, but, we, but we good, like we made a deal. Will cigarettes make you go to hell? Probably not, but you just smell like you've been there. And it sure as heck is going to send you a lot quicker. Is alcohol a sin? No. What about, and we, we, we always pick these one scriptures that defend our point. Is alcohol a sin? No. Not at all. Bible says everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. I feel like we love the permissible will of God, but not the, not the perfect. We like, like, what, can, what will God allow me to do that's technically not sin? Instead of saying, what is your perfect, absolute will for my life? Like, what is like, God, not like, what, what wife will you let me marry? Like, because I'm lonely. Or what man will you let? Like, God, what is your perfect design for me? Like, who did, like, when you were fashioning me in my mother's womb, whether you believe this or not, like, I believe you are fashioning me with someone in mind. That you're going to cross it. And I just want to be ready when that person comes. Okay? It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind <clears throat> so that you may prove. You may test, try, and taste. Right? You may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. Listen to this. He doesn't say, let me take you out of the world. I love that God leaves us here. I love that. You know, when I got saved, I didn't, I didn't like, I, when I got saved, I was 16, okay? So again, family's divorced, had a crazy past. My stepdad was equally crazy. All this stuff's going on. I get radically saved. My mom and my stepdad at the time was, were, uh, were not Christians. I go home, and you know what didn't happen? I didn't walk in, and my stepdad was singing, how great is our God? I walk in, right, a few weeks after being saved, one week, and my stepdad goes, can I talk to you? And he was this big, buff, white guy. Very intimidating. He was a correctional officer. He used to come in the room and be like, cell check. I'm like, this is my bedroom. Like, I ain't even in jail. Like, he started tipping over my bed. I'm like... Some of you community leaders, Ron, write that down. I'm just playing. So I, I'm, I'm sitting there, and he goes, sit down. He goes, I want to talk to you. He goes, I just want to let you know this whole Bible thing you're reading. He goes, it's fake. Yeah, this Bible, the gospel, all these things. It's actually a tool from the devil. I'm like, wait a minute, but you don't believe in God. How do you believe in the devil? He said, don't worry about that. <laughs> For hours, he would sit with me, and I would just smile. And be like, man, I, hey, I'm so sorry you feel that way. Like, I, I, I've just, I've kind of encountered God. Like, I don't know how to explain it to you and mom. And, and my parents got so tired of me talking about Jesus. Like, I just I couldn't shut up about him. I mean, I would fast and pray. I'd believe God to move. I mean, it was crazy. God, I didn't walk in. All of a sudden, he transformed my home. I got, he transformed me and put me right back into my situation. I feel like many of us are offended when God does that because we think that the transformation in us should instantly be in everyone else. I said a lady come up to me yesterday. She goes, man, my, I married this guy. He's an alcoholic. What do I do? I said, pray for him. You're married. <laughs> well, he just drinks a lot. I said, yeah, just pray that he doesn't. Like, Right? Not, oh, man, you know, it's hard. He doesn't rough. They've been a rough day. Just bounce. Like, no, like you stick that out. I think if we started preaching the, the severity of marriage, you'd have less people wanting to rush into it. It's for life, baby. Till death do his part. It's real. It's real. He leaves us in the, the current situation, but the difference is we're transformed. And if we remain in a place long enough, and we have consistency, we actually start to transform the surroundings. My mom got saved last year. My sister got saved last year. You know how many years it's been since I've been praying? Ten years. So did God fail me? Or was it just not on my time? I want to produce in this room believers that want the will of God more than their own dream. I am all for you chasing the dream. That's like the language of today. Chase your dream. But I think that your dream falls so short from what he actually can have for you. 
Your dream is conjured up by your own desires. But do you understand that when he fashioned you in your mother's womb, like it says in Jeremiah, he had a plan, he had a dream, and he wrapped the body around it called you. And your life is your process of discovering the dream he wrapped inside of you, not the one that you just can come up for yourself. The dream that God has for me is far beyond my ability to dream. I, I wanted to be a rock star. That was my dream. I wanted to play guitar with John Mayer and just blues it out. What a, what a low dream in comparison to what God has actually had me do to walk into high schools and see addictions break off young people. To walk into gyms and see kids who've been broken all of a sudden weeping in the presence of God accepting Jesus. And I'm not saying the rock star, God can't use the rock star and use people in music and in that industry. That's incredible. He can totally do that. But man, I would encourage you to be believers that want his will. And the will of God is very tricky because it typically doesn't look like what you think. We forget that God's will can look like a pit to a Joseph. It could look like exile to a Moses, prison to a Paul and Silas, or a cross to the Savior. All the wills of God. That's not preached today. God wants to give you boats and houses and cars and money and Another boat, just for the heck of it. When's the last time we're like, man, if you're in a pit, that could be his will too. Oh, you don't got tons of cash? Maybe that's his will right now too. Maybe it doesn't mean you're a terrible Christian. Maybe it means he's weeding something out of you that would destroy you later. You know that I withhold junk food from my daughter, not because I hate her, but because I love her. You know I withhold my car keys, even though they would really love to drive my car because they think it's a spaceship. My daughter would end her life in one second in my car. So am I a bad dad from withholding that which one day I may give her? It just has to be in the right time. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says that God will never add more weight to a fractured foundation because it's mercy. Well, God, why don't you just give me more? Why don't I have more of a platform? Why aren't I preaching more places? If, you, if he adds more weight to the fractures in your foundation, it will destroy you. In his sovereignty, he withholds. In his sovereignty, he says, not yet. God doesn't change this, and God doesn't change our location to heaven to change you. He leaves you right here on the earth, and he transforms you. And sometimes the places we run from are actually the places God's called you to be transformed in. This is why I encourage you when things get hot in your life, when things get rough, that you don't flee. I always tell people, don't make decisions in crisis, because you'll always regret it. It's funny that crisis all of a sudden re redirects the will of God, right? Man, it's really hard here. I just don't know if God's calling me here anymore. No, it has nothing to do with the calling. It has everything to do where it's just it's not comfortable anymore. Now Jesus can actually start working on you, right? Who did he leave? No, no, no. That, yeah, that, that was good. The 99. She reads her Bible. <laughs> Biblically speaking, who did Jesus leave when he ascended? And the Holy Spirit's other name is our? He can't do his job when you constantly remain in comfort. His job can only be done when you allow yourself to be in uncomfortable places. Location doesn't mean transformation. This is true in that God doesn't have to take you out of a situation or a place to transform you. But it also means that just because you're in the same place every time, it doesn't guarantee your change. The change comes when you let the battle and the war be fought by the Lord. Being at a location doesn't make you a stronger believer in God. This is why, again, my pastor said yesterday, he's, he's amazed by how many kids grow up in the church and they fall away. And for pastoring for 20 years, you probably would see the same thing. We think that by giving our kids Sunday school, by giving them Veggie Tales, some of you know what that is, by only making them watch certain movies. I think it was Marcel was talking to Carla the other day, and she's like, man, what point is it that at the end of my son and daughter's life, they didn't watch rated R movies, they didn't go to clubs, they didn't do all this stuff. They're good people, but their hearts aren't burning. What's the point of being a good person, but you're not a godly one? sheltering people. I love it. God doesn't shelter us. The Bible says we're the lights of the world. And if we're the lights of the world, that means we're created for dark places. 
God is not afraid that the darkness will overtake the light like we are as Christian parents. We want to shelter our children, which I'm not saying there's wisdom in keeping certain things from them and allowing them to, 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 to talk about certain things in safety. But what I do mean is like we cannot be afraid that what you carry could be snuffed out by the devil. You ever heard that song, This Little Light of Mine? It's not little in any capacity. Like if you were to rip open your flesh, that'd be weird. And God somehow shined his light through you. It'd blind everyone in this room in one second. There's nothing little about who dwells in you. Does this make sense? Being at a location doesn't make you a stronger believer. Removing you from situations don't necessarily make you a strong believer either. The strength and transformation comes from what he does on the inside of you. And no one could understand this more than the apostles in the book of Acts. If there was any moment, guys, I'm just saying, for these guys to get offended, bitter, frustrated, be confused, and change their reason as to why they should not worship, it would have been Acts 16. This would have been it. These guys were humiliated. In Acts 16, 22, verse 30, I don't think they have it there because I just wrote it this morning. It says this, the crowd rose up together against them, against Paul and Silas. The chief um, magistrates tore their robes off of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. How many of you know that never happens to you at church? I mean, if you went to a church where you walked in, they're like, <laughs> they rip your clothes, they start beating you with rods. Like, I don't know what church you're going to. <laughs> no. Crazy. Doesn't happen, right? How many know this is an instant moment for like, I'm never coming back here again? Check this out. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. How many know that's insane? Here's what's crazy. We think, how could this be the will of God? How could the will of God be shackles, beatings, and tore robes? But at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening. Do you understand that their prison had nothing to do with them? You realize something in Acts is that they were actually never put in prison because they were always free. And them being jailed and their location had nothing to do with God teaching them a lesson. It had to do with them setting other people free. Could you imagine like the other jailers? Like, they're like in like the Jerusalem East Side gang, you know, like, I don't know. And all of a sudden they're there and they hear Paul. I don't know what he was singing. How great is our God. He wasn't singing that, but. Do you imagine them just being like, Dude, what is this guy doing? Like he's locked up. Like his eyes busted. His, his clothes are torn. Could you imagine the conversations? Could you imagine in that moment people who did not believe in God, although Paul and Silas never preached the word, their heart that once was cold started questioning, maybe I'm wrong, maybe he does exist. Because how could a man who's been beaten, his robes are torn, and he's in prison still carry joy? This is why it is so important that you don't just worship God when your life is good. What actually produces strength in other people is when they see you worship God when your life is crap. Our pastor said this yesterday with this. They were doing an interview with his daughter, and his daughter said, you know what made me, like, follow my father? is I seen him consistent with God at his lows. It's easy to be consistent with God when everything is great. What about when your life is garbage? That is when you see if you really had faith. These men are at their worst and they're singing praise. And the prisoners, list. suddenly there came a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison and the house were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains fell off everyone's their ability to be in this prison causes other people to have breakthrough 
When the jailer awoke and he saw the prisoner doors open, he withdrew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out in a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for the lights and they rushed in, trembling with fear, and he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Why didn't Paul walk out of the jail? How many of you would have bounced? But this is the will of God, right? He didn't leave because he was already free. He knew he wasn't locked up. He was just on an extended vacation. He was on an assignment. His ability to remain and be transformed in where he was, all of a sudden, how many of you guys know that? Those guards who probably were the ones that chained him up, beat him up, they're now saying, what do I do to be saved? The will of God will many times not be just about you. Can you imagine if the verse would have said, and Paul was angry and offended with God and decided to leave the faith? Could you imagine that those prisoners not hearing the gospel? Could you imagine the guards not having a chance at eternal life? Do you know what hinges upon you following the will of God? The salvation of other people. And I know we're in a narcissistic culture today that doesn't care about other people, but can I bring you back to the song we sung about the Great Commission? The Great Commission is actually where God, he, God sends us out as his church. Like, if, if your Christianity stops here in this room, you've totally missed it. And where most people lose faith even too is where they make Christianity about a place they attend, but they never live anything Monday through, or here Tuesday through Sunday. They never, they never live anything else elsewhere. They just live it here. We come, we hang out, we eat donuts. We're about to have some bomb hamburgers cooked by a Brazilian chef. And he even has veggie ones for you vegans. Our vegans. I know some of you are vegans, you fake vegans. Where's Ben at? <laughs> He's eating fried chicken. He's like, I'm a vegan, bro. You tripping, dude. You are not a vegan. Is that a plant chicken? There is so much hinging on us falling in love with the will of God. I felt like this morning such a burden, such a burden, man, to produce believers here, even within my own community. I was talking to Gio last night, and I was like, man, like, there was some, there were like, like we were together back in the day, like, like, we never had to explain the Bible. We just read it. We just told you what it was, and we just, we just did our best to do it. Nowadays, we need a thousand explanations as to try to filter through all these questions we had. Like, what if we just said, God, I just want to take you at face value, that you are who you say you are, and that God be a truth teller and every other man a liar? What if you started living that verse? What if you started questioning your friends and not God? What about those friends that give you bad advice? The ones that lick your wounds? Yeah, it's real. You will always find someone to agree with your wounds. Just because you have found agreement doesn't make you right. You will always find someone who will join your party of offense. Always. Always. Just like you'll find people of faith. You'll always find that. You know what I want? I want someone that's not going to say, man, come here, man, are you hurt? I want someone to be like, dude, that sucks. They had it worse in the Bible, man. <laughs> you, you weren't beat with rods and your essential shirt wasn't tore. You good, man. Like, like you're good. Like, you, you're okay. You're going to make it. That's the kind of friends I want. And I want to be that to you guys. What kept these men to remain in prison was they were already free. Their location itself didn't transform them. What they allowed God to do in them transformed them. Do not be deceived and think that just because you attend a weekly service, you are automatically going to be transformed. It's the heart you posture, you come to God with. It's, 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 it's when you're in these situations that are difficult and you choose to remain. And you choose to say, oh, this sucks. This sucks. Oh, this sucks. I don't want to be here. I don't want... It's so easy to church hop. You know why? Because you just you're, you get you, you never get known by anybody. It's hard to be with people that know you. 
And the devil wants to say, oh, because they know you, they're not going to love you. The lie will love you more. I was with Gio last night. I was thinking, man, I got such a love for Gio. You know why? Because Gio's been with me in the hardest moments of my life. He's a real gangster. He got God. G-A-W-D. The hood Jesus, right? Like, I remember being in Gio's Bible club. Gio wasn't even a Christian leading his Bible club. All his friends were gangbangers tatted up in a continuation school. And you better believe they had a crowd. Who's going to tell them no? Are you going to club today? No. Yes, you are. Yeah, you bet I am, right? They're the best recruitment team. You want to recruit for you? Bring the gangbangers, man. You going to meet Jesus in that room or are you going to meet him after school, right? Gio, Gio, if I could just tell your story, which I'm going to, drops out of school, comes a missionary. I'm like, bro, I love you. Get your butt back in school. Finishes and graduates high school. We go through ups and downs, but through it all, when I look at him and I say I love you, it's authentic. Why? Not because we have a perfect relationship. Not because he has a compartmentalized life and I know parts of Gio. I've seen Gio, the good, the bad, and ugly. I remember Gio when he drove a Honda with spray-painted rims. I remember the Gio when I was in his car. We were driving. It was a hot summer day, and I just turned his AC from 2 to 3, and it broke, and he got mad at me. He's like, what the heck, bro? I'm like, bro, all I did was turn it to 3. You shouldn't have turned it to 3. I'm like, I didn't know. We were driving on, like, the freeway with our doors open. It was so hot. Saying missionary life. We have history. I want to encourage you with no matter how discouraged you feel that the will of God is what you want to seek. And it's not a you and Jesus thing. That doesn't exist in the Bible. I hear that a lot. It's me and Jesus. Oh man, only God can judge me. You ain't Pac, just stop. Okay? Only God can judge me. You don't want to wait until the judgment seat of God to get things right. You don't want to wait until you're at that place. You want to get it right now. You know, he does it in community. There's no such thing as a perfect church. You know that. If you find one, don't go to it. You'll screw it up. There's no such thing as a perfect family. Every family's jacked. And if you don't think yours is, yours is probably the worst. But how many know your family's your family? Right? How many of you are older sibling? No one can mess with your siblings except you. Right? Man, do not be afraid of the ups and downs. Embrace the will. What if we got excited about prayer, fasting, reading, seeking, obeying? What if in 2020 we said, I'm going to put all the facade away. I'm not going to document every prayer meeting I have in my closet. I'm not going to post, instead of sitting there and just posting videos the whole service, I'm going to engage. You know, I've learned that I can post videos of moments with my family or I could live them. I don't want to live through a screen. I don't want to do that. I'm learning. I mean, we're actually, we're going to be moving soon. I'm actually, don't laugh at me. We're getting a home phone. A house phone. <laughs> Pigeon. Because when I get home, I want to put this thing down. If it's an emergency, you can call the house. Who calls the house anymore, right? Like, I feel like this next season for us, like, Jesus wants to build in here. We don't want to be 10 miles wide and an inch deep. We're going to keep hitting on this. We're going to keep beating on Mondays. We're going to keep gathering as a community here. Okay, this is all, can I be honest? This is all very new to me. I've done missions for 10 years. Most of the crowds I've preached to have been kids, high school kids. These type of rooms terrify me. High school kids don't really know the Bible. A lot of you do. You're going to test and prove that what I'm saying is scripture. And together, iron's going to sharpen iron. But do not bail when rough moments hit. Man, the church, even though they say there's a massive decline, I believe that the quality of, 
of a believer is growing as the quantity decreases. Because that which was gray isn't gray anymore. You really know where the lines are now. You really know on what issues you're to stand on. And I don't need to reiterate those issues. You go to the Bible because you're always going to find someone in their situation to justify it. The reality is, what does the Word of God say? If you bend for one person's feelings, pretty soon you have a bended gospel and it has no strength. It has no strength. I want to embrace God's will in my life. How many know you want to do the same? We want to embrace His will. We want to love the things that He loves. Can I encourage you in this next season? How many of you, it's been a while since you fasted? Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. Or maybe you've never fasted. Like, come on, I want to see your hand. Like, it's been a while. Like, man, it's been a while since I fasted. Will you fast this next season? How many of you, it's really difficult for you to read the Bible? Like, I just, and I, I personally won't count just reading it on your phone because there's a thousand things that happens on your phone when you read it. How many know that a good old book that you're reading, you're not seeing a, a notification pop up on your book? There's nothing like getting in a room, putting that down for 30 minutes and saying, okay, I'm just going to read. I'm just going to read. Would you commit to read your Bible? Yeah. How about praying? Will you commit to get inside of a place where you're not around a ton of people? Just close the door, communicate, and listen. Who you be God is what you'll become. Who you be got is what you'll become. Who you gaze upon is what you'll become. It's true. What about seeking God? You take a season of seeking God. I don't care how far you feel from the Lord. This, that, like, do you realize that how far you feel and the distance you think exists actually doesn't mean anything to God? You can be a thousand steps away. You're one step back, baby. Like, it's not hard. Like, it's really simple. It may be difficult. It may be difficult. You know, me and my wife, when there's sometimes we get into intense fellowship, aka we get into an argument. You know what breaks the argument? It's not when I ignore her and walk away. It's when I bug her. Right? You stand for me. Yeah, you. I ain't married anyone else on this couch. <laughs> Sorry, Caleb. Do you realize that, like, like what's going to draw us closer in moments of tension is not when I avoid. It's when I draw near. I know she's mad and I'm like, hey, go ahead. Like when you're mad at me, what are you doing when you're mad at me? Hey. How many of y'all know when you get the pat, you know that's bad. Some of y'all hug me like that. I get on you on that. You pat dogs, not people, okay? Patting is like, oh, this is awkward. Hey, good to see you. I don't like love, but I really want it, but I don't like, right? But after so much time of pursuing and persisting, we eventually start laughing at how ridiculous the fight is and how ridiculous the argument was. How there's a big misunderstanding that could easily be resolved. We don't let the distance keep pushing us from each other. The distance in your life has nothing to do with your ability to re-instantly connect. This is hope for you. Can we pray? Can we pray this morning? I feel like some of you just need some recalibration. I told my sister the other day, because my sister, you can stay up, but my sister's having a, um, my sister's having a really interesting time navigating. She's at a YWAM now. She's back home. And uh, it's, it's, it's hard, I believe, to go from the nations and you're seeing God move and revival's happening and then you get home. Right? And you're like, hey, I'm back in Sacramento. <laughs> We're not in the nation. We're not seeing God move. We're not praying for the sick. We're with my parents. It's just, it's different. And we're talking the other day and I'm just encouraging her like, hey, like the season you're in, like it's easy to question what God has for you now because you're not locationally in a different place, but it doesn't change his will. It doesn't change his will. It doesn't. Guys, God has, does everything in seasons. Even the way it's, unless you're in Cali, we don't really understand seasons in California. Which is why I think it's harder for Christians in California. Because <laughs> we don't understand really winter, fall. I mean, last night we had a big, huge wind, 
random windstorm in Pasadena, all the trees knocked down and crazy. Like, it's crazy today. Like, we don't understand real seasons, but God does everything in seasons. There's seasons where you sow. There's seasons where you reap. There's seasons where you laugh. There's seasons where you weep. Dr. Seuss right there, right? <laughs> there are seasons for all of that. You don't bounce on a season. You remain. You're that tree planted by the stream. And you keep bearing fruit. You keep bearing fruit. You keep bearing fruit. How many of your hearts have just been a little bit cold lately? It's been difficult to see the will of God. It's been difficult to understand the will of God. You don't understand how God is blessing you because you've equated blessings to just monetary things. I love what Pastor Nett said yesterday. He said, I meet so many people in the biggest houses. They have all the stuff, the cars, the money. He said, but you know what they don't have? They don't have peace. You know, you can't buy peace. You know, there ain't nothing like laying down in your bed, even if it's just a little twin, twin bed from Amazon. There ain't nothing like laying on that bed and you're welding your soul. You take a breath and you're like, ah, everything's going to be okay. Money can't buy that. Can't. God wants to give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. Not just that you attend locationally somewhere, but that you're transformed. If you want, man, if you're just like, I just, I want that. Will you stand with me? And I just want to pray for you. And there's no pressure to stand. If you don't, you don't have to stand. But you're like, I want to know the will of God is perfect in my life. Like, doesn't matter your history. Doesn't matter your stories. Doesn't matter any of that. Like, I just want to pray for you and believe with you. Right? You can be doing 30 years of ministry, man. Like, it doesn't matter. We want to go in this together. Can we just put, put your hand on the person next to you? And we're just going to pray for one another.